There's a hole in this country where its heart used to be. And no glory is divided on fire and street. They say building back better, make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just down our main streets and they shut down our choices. Venice all over, but it's all over now. We figured it out. We ain't backing down. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
good Wednesday morning, St. Louis and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. I'm Kevin Slayton, and I welcome you in, as we do every day, Monday through Friday, where you get a good dose of unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence. You can hear our podcast later on on this website, but this is where the live show takes place. 7 to 9 Central Time, Monday through Friday. Podcast is also available on Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Anchor, and any other place you'd listen to podcasts. So we're happy, as we always are, to have you along, and we thank you for all of the help you've given us to allow our show to rise into the top 5% of all podcasts worldwide. That's over 3 million podcasts. And we thank you, because if without you, we could not do that. We thank everybody involved in the show for all of the help that we get. It takes a lot, but mostly it takes you listening. It takes you spreading the word. It takes you Googling Kevin Slayton's show, or King's Court Kevin Slayton show, excuse me. King's Court Kevin Slayton, that'll do it. And then you scroll down where you see um, Apple Podcasts. And you click on it, there's three dots, hit the follow, and scroll down to write a review and give us a review. Two words, three words, a hundred words, doesn't matter. And that helps us. So we appreciate and you can do that every day. You don't have to do it just once if you don't want to. It takes about, uh, I would say, 45 seconds of your day. It ain't hard. A techno imbecile like myself can do it, believe it or not. But we welcome you in reminding you that our phone lines are always open, 636-538-0746, and we leave them open because we're not afraid of what you have to say. Whether you agree, disagree, doesn't matter to us. Have something to back up your views, I hope. We do. We back it up with facts and evidence. We usually use the mouths of the imbeciles. Their own words to indict them. It's not hard. They do it for us every day. Every single day. So call us uh, throughout the show. We welcome your take on things. Most shows do not. I don't think you'll find any other shows that do. In fact, in our locale, not many nationwide. You know why? Because the host of these shows, these various shows... They're all afraid that you know more than they do, and they don't want to be embarrassed. Now, that's okay with us. If you know more than we do, we'll gladly learn. But you don't just do like liberals do, and you say, well, this is the way it is because why? Because it is. No, sorry. That doesn't fly, and that won't wash here. You can do it. You can try it. But you might walk away with your tail between your legs. I don't care who you are. Family members, I've done that to them. doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because we are a nation in danger thanks to the lies of the liberals. And the way they've changed the culture through their lies, we're in grave danger of losing what we all grew up with. Basic, and I mean the most basic, character traits, beliefs, Morals, integrity, it's all gone. I mean, people have it individually in their own homes, 
But as a nation, it's gone. And we need to get back to that. And that's not saying I want everybody to think like I do. No, what I would like is our country to once again understand what's important. And that is that everybody gets an opportunity. Everybody works hard and gets ahead. Those chances. We don't shut down liberal viewpoints. We laugh at them. We mock them because they're hilarious. And they're never backed by any facts or evidence. They're basically stupid. They're illiterate. But we don't shut you down. We let you say it all you want. In fact, I enjoy listening to you. I get a big charge out of thinking to myself, how did that person get that stupid? That's hard. Nobody's born that dumb. That's a learned stupidity to be a liberal. You have to really learn. You have to try hard to be that stupid, to be that unaware of what's going on around you, I think takes great effort. So on the one hand, I commend liberals for their effort in becoming so stupid. However, on the other hand, they're stupid and thus dangerous. Stupid people are dangerous. You don't see smart guys walking down the street shooting people, do you? No, of course not. Just stupid people. You don't see smart guys in prosecutor's offices not prosecuting crimes. Only stupid people do that. And as it turns out, by golly, all those prosecutors that do that, they're all stupid liberals. But we welcome your viewpoint. Please give it to us because we'd love to hear it. No doubt we'll have fun with you. If you don't have the spine to run your uninformed mouth and not be challenged, then don't call. And most of you won't. But we're not afraid of your viewpoint. We're not afraid of your opinion. We back ours with facts and evidence, and hopefully you would too. It's not that hard. Before you run your mouth, do some homework. Or don't run your mouth. Isn't that simple? It's a simple concept, I would think. Apparently liberals don't think so, but but I do. I think it's basic stuff. You know what else is basic? Your windows. You got a lot of rain yesterday. Window World probably got a lot of phone calls. They got my phone call, 314-993-1800. That's who you call, 314-993-1800. They'll come to your house, give you a free in-home estimate, and prove to you that they're simply the best for less. It's not just a slogan. It's a company-wide philosophy, simply the best for less. And you can compare them to the competition, as one of our listeners didn't found that Window World's prices for the same amount of windows and for the exact same windows were a third less than the competition. Why would anyone go anywhere else? I don't know. I can't answer that question. But you need an exam. That's for sure. And when you call Window World Windows, if you get Window World Windows in your house, you will be getting the preferred window of the Blues. You'll be getting the official window of the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. You'll be getting the same windows I have, and I'm here to tell you how wonderful they are. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, of course, is that they have windows that give you a lifetime warranty that covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. I said it, glass breakage. Now you say, how can Window World do that? 
They use double-strength glass in their windows. You won't find that in very many replacement windows. But Window World does it. It's part of their deal. I have stood on the showroom floor, jumped on their windows, kicked them, did, did everything I could to damage them, crease them, crack them, and I couldn't do it. And I'm not a little guy. Free in-home estimate, 314-993-1800. They'll also offer you 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. That's Window World, and they're right here in our town, where we always support locally owned and operated businesses. 314-993-1800. All right, well, let's get to it, shall we? We're getting close to baseball season. That's interesting. Are the Cardinals going to be any good? Well, we'll get Brian Bowringer on next week, and Bo can weigh in on all things baseball. In the World Baseball um, competition, the WBC, last night in the final in the championship game, the United States, with their billion-dollar lineup, couldn't do squat against the Japanese. Thank God we won World War II because last night was a disaster. The game that we invented, we couldn't even beat the Japanese with that billion-dollar lineup, many of whom never perform in big games. Roger Staubach, the great Heisman-winning quarterback at Navy and Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, said it best one time. He preferred players who were teabags. And people looked at him and he said, they always perform their best when they're in hot water. And Paul Goldschmidt does not. Now, you can get mad because you're a Cardinal fan and you you are blindly loyal to anything Cardinal. But if you aren't blindly loyal, if you're not just one of those illiterate stooges that, like a Stepford baseball fan, worship the Cardinals, you'll be honest and you'll say to yourself, you know what, Slayton's right. Goldschmidt gagged it up last September, was horrific in the two playoff losses to the Phillies, And last night in another big moment, it's carried over during the offseason, 0 for 4, struck out twice, and hit into a double play. Can you be any worse in a big game? And he was batting right in the middle of the lineup. Mike Trout's another one. People say, Mike Trout's such a great, talented player. Oh, my God, look at his numbers. Mike Trout is the most overrated player in baseball history. Mike Trout has never won anything, never will win anything, Mike Trout would rather stay in the Anaheim area and play for the Angels, a a terrible franchise, than ever venture out of his comfort zone to play with the teams that compete for championships. Now, why is that? Because Mike Trout never comes through in big moments. That's why. Last night was another example. He struck out for the final out against his own Angel teammate, Shohei Otani. Mike Trout is the greatest Stat stuffer I've ever seen. He'll hit three home runs in a game that the Angels are winning or losing 10 to nothing. But then in a 2 to 1 game with the tying run at second base, he'll almost invariably always make it out. You can't win with those kind of guys. You never will. And include Paul Goldschmidt, as nice a guy as he seems to be and as good a career as he's had, big moments seem to frighten him. Terribly, in fact. So I hate to douse water on Cardinal fans' hopes for the season because baseball in the spring, it renews your hope every year. You're starting off 
with an even slate. Sadly, when it ends, the Cardinals will not be any closer to a championship than they are today. It's just not going to happen. And I do it by looking at, honestly looking at the lineups of the championship teams. Look at the Astros. Look at the Yankees. Look at the Seattle Mariners with their pitching and hitting combination. Look at all of the teams. Look at the Atlanta Braves. All of the teams with powerful lineups, the Dodgers, the Padres. And then look at the Cardinals. And you say, whew, it's quite a fall off. Cardinals don't have a single outfield bat that scares any pitcher in Major League Baseball. Not not one. They don't have a shortstop or a second baseman that scares anyone. And once September rolls around and the calendar flips to the fall, Paul Goldschmidt doesn't scare anyone. So you're left with Arenado and maybe Wilson Contreras, their new catcher. That's it. The pitching is equally scary. You're counting on Miles Michaelis to be your ace, a guy who had severe arm issues just two years ago. And then the rest of your starting rotation, as I view it now, would be Flaherty, who is a head case, can't pitch more than five innings, would rather write Black Lives Matter slogans on his shoes than actually perform. Dakota Hudson is out still, I believe, with that arm injury and the surgery that he had. He's He'll be back at some point this year, but I don't think he'll be ready for the opener. In fact, I don't think they're even counting on that. Then you have a pair of left-handers, Mats, the guy who the Cardinals acquired last year in the offseason and then hurt his arm and missed the entire season virtually. <laughs> then you have Montgomery, the guy the Cardinals acquired from the Yankees at the trade deadline last year, average at best. And then you have Wainwright. Now, does any hitter that's any good look at the Cardinals' starting rotation and say, whew, I don't want to face those guys? No, no one, no one feels that way that's any good. Does any good pitcher look at the Cardinal lineup and say, can't wait till we get through with the Cardinals? No, nobody does. So it's not going to be a good year unless you consider competing for the National League Central Division something that you want to wear as a badge of honor. Cardinals won that last year. They don't have any competition. Their best competition this year will come from the Cubs, not the Brewers. Cubs improved themselves in the offseason. So there's my quick take on it. The Astros were dealt a severe blow to their chances of repeating this year in this world baseball thing. Jose Altuve, their star second baseman, Hall of Fame second baseman, Batting champion, World Series champion twice, leadoff hitter, broke his thumb when he was hit by a pitch. He's going to be out at least a month. It required surgery. God only knows how long it'll take him to get back. A thumb injury that required surgery? Mm, Gripping that bat might not be fun. But the Astros are loaded again, and they're really loaded on the pitching side. And that's how they won last year. So the real question in baseball is, is any team out there big enough and bad enough to take down the dominant team in the last six years in Major League Baseball, and that's the Astros? Four World Series in six years. They won two of them. They've appeared in the American League Championship game six consecutive years. That's a run of excellence that you're not going to see maybe ever again. It's reminding me of the Yankees of the 50s or the Yankees of the 20s. But no other franchise can put together a run like that.
Maybe the Yankees of the 90s. It's always the Yankees, though. So that's my quick assessment and my take on the baseball season as it comes along. Most improved team will probably be the Texas Rangers. They spent a lot of money in the offseason. I guess they got tired of getting their brains beat in by the Astros. So they're going to try and see uh, the Astros' main American League competition will probably come from their own division, the Seattle Mariners. We'll see how those predictions fare over the course of the season. But baseball is opening up next week. So it's upon us. Finally, a major league sport again in St. Louis. The Blues haven't been playing professional hockey for a while now. So we'll see how it flies. Our phone lines, as I said, are open for you. 636-538-0746. Now, yesterday, during the show, caller Dave called, and he said that he thought he had heard Dan Bongino, a former Secret Service agent, say on his show that the Secret Service could stop Alvin Bragg, the erstwhile corrupt New York City prosecutor, from charging President Trump with a crime. I said at the time, that's not true. If Bongino said that, he's wrong, unless there's some statute that was recently enacted that I was not aware of. I didn't think there was, because that usually doesn't escape me, and it turns out there wasn't. And it turns out that's not what Bongino said at all. And that's the danger in making sure you listen closely Now, Bongino himself, and as I said, I did not hear the original comments, but he himself said he could have done a better job of being clear. But here's his clarification from yesterday on what he had said the day before. Dan Bongino said that Alvin Bragg can't arrest Trump because of the Secret Service. We we did not say that ever. Please go watch the show again. Never happened. We did not. No, no, thank you. Joe was here. Gee, we did not say that, correct? That is not accurate. Alvin Bragg and his team of course, can arrest Donald Trump. I read to you 18 U.S.C. 3056 and 1752, which grants the Secret Service unquestioned federal power to stop whoever would impede in their protective function. It doesn't exclude Alvin Bragg or others. It doesn't mean they can't arrest him. Of course they can arrest him. It just means if they arrest him and put him in a dangerous situation, I should have been clear right from the start. Like, hey, we're going to put you in this jail cell with this serial killer over here, the Secret Service unquestionably has the power to say that's not happening. And they have that power because their duty is to protect the president. So if you put him in a situation and put him in harm's way, that's not going to fly. But you can't stop a prosecutor from arresting and charging someone. It's just not the way the system works. Never has, never will be. So we wanted to clarify that for you now. The other question is, is the Secret Service today doing a good enough job protecting President Trump if the impending news is true that he's going to be indicted? And by protecting him, I mean, are they going to allow him to walk into a courthouse, into a courtroom where you've got all these psychopaths running around? That's a question that Bongino could answer. What's your thought? I have no idea what the Secret Service is going to do. But I got to tell you, uh, the response so far on this, just from public, from the public reading of it, seems a little bit weak. They should be making crystal clear right now, it's the reason I covered this the way I'm covering it, that they're just not going to agree to an appearance in a courtroom that could cause a dangerous situation for their protectee. 
Let it litigate in the courts. The Secret Service has the power to do us stop anyone who interferes in their protective function. So the smart thing to do if they indict the president is to do it virtually. Now they they're doing it so that they can get a mugshot. This is all orchestrated to trump the Trump campaign and to derail his bid for the presidency. We know that. We know this comes from the top. We know it comes straight from Biden. These are orders from Biden. We know that. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they're charging him with a federal crime, even though that's not legal. That has to pass the blessing of Merrick Garland. Who does Merrick Garland work for? Biden. So Bongino's correct. They have the duty to protect Donald Trump. And so if you're going to put Donald Trump in harm's way, meaning trot him through a public fiasco that is fraught with danger, that's not an idea that the Secret Service should subscribe to. But they want the mugshot. That's the big kill here. That's what the liberals want so that they can plaster it everywhere and anywhere, telling all of the world, when you go into a voting booth, keep this mugshot in mind. You're voting for a criminal. That's what they want you to think. Just always remember this, and you can take it to the bank. Anytime the liberals do anything, it has a political motivation. It is never designed to help you. It's never designed to alleviate the problems you face on a daily basis living in a corrupt country. Not one thing do they do to help alleviate inflation. They don't do anything to make your life easier. They lock you down. They close your businesses. Anytime a liberal does something, it's for their own political gain, their own financial gain. And their unending quest and thirst and greed for power. That's it. That's their entire motivation for doing anything they do. And this nonsense regarding Donald Trump is proof positive of that. As I've explained legally to everyone yesterday, Alvin Bragg cannot bring a federal charge. He's not a federal prosecutor. But that's what he's trying to do. I understand how weak grand juries are. I've advocated for the abolishment of the grand jury system. It's a joke. It's one-sided. Everybody knows it. I'm not saying anything that is earth-shattering here. Everyone knows what a farce it is. But if you don't have a group of honest grand jurors, and I believe there's something like 30 or 40 of them. They only need a simple majority to indict. If you don't have honest people in there, then you're screwed. I heard uh, President Trump's attorney say yesterday that he has the utmost confidence in the New Yorkers that are in the on the grand jury. The liberals, of course, believe that New Yorkers don't like President Trump, so this grand jury will easily vote to indict him. President Trump's attorney didn't think so, and he's from New York, but I disagree with him. I think liberal minds are so deranged that their sense of fairness, their sense of what's right is gone. Alan Dershowitz wrote a book called Get Trump. He's a liberal. 
He's a libertarian. He's further than a liberal. But he's an honest man who looks at things with an open mind. And he's eminently qualified in legal cases. So why would he write a book called Get Trump if that's not what these liberal psychos are out to do? The liberals must hate Alan Dershowitz. You're going to hear from him here shortly. They must hate him. Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, what is Bragg bragging about? He brags about lowering felonies to misdemeanors and not prosecuting. Federal District of New York say this wasn't something they were going to pursue. The, the previous district attorney say this is something they weren't going to pursue. And even this district attorney say he wasn't going to pursue it. And then what happened? President Trump announces he's running for re-election. And Shazam, and oh, now we're going to pursue it. Shazam. Gomer would say that. Shazam. Andy. But McCarthy's right. This guy brags about letting hardened criminals who've committed heinous crimes out of jail. You know what I believe should happen? I believe when George Soros dies, he should be forced to donate his brain to science so that they can investigate how anyone born as a human being could become that evil. He is Satan incarnate. He's the one who's created with his money the Alvin Braggs, the Kim Gardners of the world, all throughout the United States. Gascon in Los Angeles. These people have ruined lives. They've caused murders. They've caused robberies. They've caused businesses to close down because they won't prosecute criminals. They've caused everyone to feel unsafe. If I asked you to walk down Broadway in downtown St. Louis any time after dark, would you do it without any kind of an escort or any kind of a weapon? Would you just mosey on down the street? I don't care if you're white or black. You wouldn't make it. If I told you you had to walk 10 blocks, you'd be foolish to try it. And I can promise you, every step of the way, should you survive it, every step of the way, you'd be petrified. Now, why is that? If crime's not bad, that's what they all claim. They claim that crime has been reduced in these cities. But, of course, they have just a nodding acquaintance with the facts. The facts not only say otherwise, but the facts say crime, violent crime, is shooting through the sky in all of those cities. When you hear numbers like it's up 400%, nothing's up 400% except crime. Good grief. But yet there they are. So Soros should be forced to donate his brain to science. Robert Costello, as we've said yesterday, could be the guy that turns the tide in this case, that forces Bragg not to indict President Trump. The question becomes, when you hear common sense people say, there's no way Bragg would indict President Trump based on Michael Cohen's word, on Michael Cohen's testimony, it's unethical, you can't do it, nobody would do it. I don't trust that he won't do it. It's my belief that he can't do it, and if he does, it'll be dismissed out of hand on the first motion for dismissal. 
I disagree with Dershowitz on that. I believe there's some judge that they'll find that will rule it based on the law and not the fact that he doesn't like Donald Trump. But Dershowitz understands, as I do, that activist judges are everywhere. They're littered throughout this country. They're pathetic. They need to be disbarred, resign as a judge, and be disbarred. But they're activists, and they're everywhere. They're on the Supreme Court. They're on federal courts. They're on local state courts. They're everywhere. They're in municipalities. So Robert Costello, and I'll refresh your memory, was Michael Cohen's attorney back when Cohen was being accused and charged, lying under oath, all kinds of different violations, felonies, did a short prison term, about two years. But while this was going on, and Costello was representing him, they had a meeting, a two-hour meeting. And during this meeting, Cohen had described himself as suicidal, that he had been on a rooftop and was thinking of jumping off. And Costello said, well, there is a way out of all of your legal troubles. And here's how the conversation went per Costello. I said, a non-prosecution agreement gets you out from your tr- from underneath all of your legal troubles. So I have to ask you now, do you have anything on Donald Trump? Anything? And he said, no. And I said, Michael, think about this. Don't answer it quickly. You, this, you said that you are, were up on the roof ready to jump. And I'm telling you that there is a way out of this. If you have information, it has to be true. What do you have on Donald Trump? And that's when he started with the same litany that he used for the rest of the two hours. I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything on Donald Trump. I wow. said, do you have, I said, any information on the Trump organization? The only thing I know, said he, is that some money was missing from the Trump inaugural uh, ball or something like that. And I said, is Donald Trump involved in that? No. Does Donald Trump know about that? He said, no, he didn't know about it then. I don't even think he knows about it now. But the point is, when somebody is is really thinking of committing suicide and you're offering them a legal way out of this, if he had any information about Donald Trump, that would have been the one time, even for a serial liar like Michael Cohen, to to fess up and say, well, I know this or that because I want to save my own hide. But he didn't do that. In some ways, you're sitting in on legal history being made. For a former attorney who has been granted a waiver of the attorney-client privilege, thanks to Michael Cohen's stupidity, to tell all about his lying client, his serial liar of a client. I don't care what kind of a person you are, if you're sitting on that grand jury and you you hear Robert Cohen tell that story, among other stories, when you hear Robert Cohen tell you that He has 360 emails that will refute everything that Michael Cohen has said from Michael Cohen himself. And that Alvin Bragg has hidden all but six of those emails. He's hidden exculpatory evidence from you. I don't care who you are, what what your political stripes are. If you're sitting on that grand jury and you vote to indict, you should be indicted. And Alvin Bragg belongs disbarred and in jail. The American legal system has become a farce. It's a national embarrassment, and everybody knows it. But arrogant lawyers and judges continue to strut around like there's somebody important. You're not important. Pardon my language, but you aren't shit. Most of you are corrupt as corrupt is. 
It's sickening to deal with the legal system. Ask anybody who's had to deal with it. And yet the claim is that our legal system is better than anywhere else. What kind of a shit show are the rest of these countries? If we're better. There should be no grand jury system whatsoever. It needs to go today. You arrest somebody based on evidence, nothing else. And grand jury systems are designed not to do that. You only hear one side of the story. Who came up with that? And so, James Comer, chairman of the Oversight Committee in the House, has decided to call Alvin Bragg to testify as to why he believes he can circumvent the law, that he can, he can ignore the levels of authority that he has usurped, and even begin to think he can charge President Trump under federal election law. And so when the media heard that, they decided to weigh in as the stupid, illiterate liberals that they are, including Claire McCaskill, doesn't she make Missouri proud? And tell the whole world, if you're listening, that the Republicans, the mega Republicans in Congress, have no right, no authority to call Alvin Bragg in. I don't see any good faith reason here to subpoena and question Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg is a state prosecutor. Nobody in Congress can do diddly squat to him. It is just a silly stunt by people who don't know how to do their jobs. The last guy, Chris O'Donnell, has no idea how to do his job. He's pathetic at it. But you heard Miss Diddly Squat in there. That's McCaskill. Congress cannot do diddly squat to Alvin Bragg. Uh, But they can. You see, you, McCaskill, and I don't know if she's a lawyer or not, but I do know she's an idiot. I don't know where she got her idiot degree. Probably in Congress. And and I will always remind everybody we can thank Todd Aiken for that. (laughs) If he had screwed it up so badly, she would have never been heard from. But now she puts her fat face on MSNBC as one of their resident shills against all things Donald Trump. So she did go to law school, and she went to Mizzou Law School. What an embarrassment for the University of Missouri Law School, a law school that I attended. I'm embarrassed to say I went there if McCaskill got a law degree. But that shows you it isn't hard to become a lawyer. It really does. I'm the first to admit it. You don't have to be a genius to become a lawyer. You have to be a genius to become a doctor, but not a lawyer. Come on. It's probably harder to become an accountant than it is a lawyer. Now, a good lawyer, they're pretty sharp. But just to go to law school and pass the bar exam? Come on. And he just heard McCaskill. She has no idea what the law is. And my guess is she's so lazy, and usually when you're that overweight, you are lazy. She has no idea she's so lazy that she won't look it up. She's intellectually lazy and she's physically lazy. She's one of the most embarrassing figures to come out of this state in the state's history. James Comer, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, are these people telling the truth? Congressman Comer? Not true. 
no district attorney has the authority to prosecute federal election laws. Uh, Bragg, he doesn't have the authority to decide whether or not he can come before Congress. Uh, when he decided to grossly overstep his authority by two levels of government, not just one, but two levels of government, then he entered the authority of the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight. Congress has the authority to conduct oversight where we have legislative purview. Federal election laws are written by Congress, not by the Manhattan District Attorney. So we absolutely have the authority to call in Mr. Bragg to find out why he's overstepping his authority by two entire levels of government. <laughs> you can forgive McCaskill for not knowing that. She's stupid. So when stupid people mouth off, it's always a special form of entertainment for me. Because as you sit there listening, you think to yourself, oh, my God, she really is this stupid. She not only said it, she said it on national television. When any lawyer understands the difference between federal law and state law and the authority over a New York City prosecutor versus a U.S. attorney. U.S. attorneys bring federal law violation cases. They file federal charges against federal statutes. The New York City prosecutor files state cases against state statutes and laws. This isn't hard stuff. This isn't deciding what's cancer and what's not. That's what doctors have to do. This isn't hard. This isn't operating on your knee and putting it back together. That's hard. This isn't hard. But McCaskill still can't master it. Where does she rank, do you think, on the IQ scale? Single digits? That's my guess. We know how much she lies because she lied through her teeth about how she travels around the state when she's campaigning. She wouldn't dare use an airplane, and then we saw her getting into an airplane. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable how stupid, utterly stupid these people are. So, yes, Congress has every right to call him in since he overstepped his authority. Had he simply been charging state crimes, they wouldn't have been able to haul him in. But now they can, thanks to him. Now, I guarantee you, he's so stupid, he doesn't realize he did it. And because he acts on the encouragement of people like Sandy Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and Merrick Garland and Joe Biden, illiterates every one of them, he's now the guy that's going to face the problems. He's the guy that could face disbarment. Not Biden, not Garland, not Tlaib, not Cortez, not Cory Bush. It's Alvin Bragg that will be up for disbarment at some point, I promise you. Now, whether the New York courts will disbar him is another story completely. But they disbarred Nifong down in North Carolina when he held back exculpatory evidence in the Duke Lacrosse rape case. He was disbarred. Sentenced to jail of one day. Yuck, yuck. This guy... Bragg has withheld 354 pages of exculpatory evidence that exonerates the president and points to Michael Cohen as the serial liar that he is. So what awaits Alvin Bragg? 
if disbarment doesn't await him, then the New York Bar Association should cease existing. Because it's people like Alvin Bragg that give lawyers the bad name that they so richly deserve. Because they number people like Alvin Bragg among their brethren, and they do nothing about them. Look at Kim Gardner. Every legal association in the state of Missouri should be calling for her resignation. It shouldn't just be the attorney general. It shouldn't just be the mayor of St. Louis, who, of course, calls for it because it's politically expedient for her. No other reason. But every law association in this country, every, or excuse me, in this state, and every law school, where's the University of Missouri's law school? Where's UMKC's law school? Where's St. Louis U's law school? Wash U's law school? Why aren't you all demanding Kim Gardner resign immediately lest she further embarrass the legal profession? But you know why none of them will? Because they're all run by legal shills that are nothing but liberal psychos. That's why. I mean, I don't have to tell you that academia is populated by liberal freaks all over the place. But mum is the word from these law schools in this state who are supposedly educating students in how to become law lawyers. And what they're telling them is, we support corrupt prosecutors. So when you get out into the real world, when you get out of our law school, go and be corrupt. That's what Mizzou Law School is telling their students, UMKC, Wash U and St. Louis U, and every law school that I've missed in the state. They're telling all of their students the same thing. Be corrupt. It pays. And you'll never have to worry about people like us coming after you. Because we stay silent. Because all of those law schools I mentioned are equally corrupt as much as Kim Gardner is. The National Bar Association, where are they? They're a joke, but where are they? What do they actually do to deserve fees? They get dues from every member. What do they do? Have you ever even heard them speak on an issue? I never have. You want to talk about corruption? (laughs) But one guy's not corrupt, and he's a law professor emeritus at Harvard. He taught constitutional law there for 50 years, Alan Dershowitz. He's written a new book called Get Trump. And so we have to ask, is this nonsense in New York just a way to get Trump? And what about the January 6th nonsense, the Georgia investigation? How about the classified documents crap that's going on? Four different cases that these liberals are trying to get Trump with. Is that what's going on, Alan? Without a doubt. Uh, You know, in my new book, Get Trump, I go through all of those four allegations. And I say there's plenty of smoke, but there's no fire. And if there were a fire, it would be set by arsonists. There is no crime committed in any of the four allegations. And I prove that categorically in my book, Get Trump. Where did I get the name Get Trump? I got that from Letitia James' campaign slogan. Her campaign promise was, I promise you, I will get Trump. That's the woman who ran for the state attorney general's office in New York and won. She was seen on videos and on campaign videos that her goal was to get Trump. Get Trump for what? 
you just heard a Harvard Law School professor emeritus, as liberal as liberal can be, who works for a liberal as liberal can be institution, say that in all four of the cases that the liberals are trying to bring against President Trump, in not one of them has he committed a crime that's not even close to a crime. And as he said, there's smoke, but there's no fire. And if there's a fire, it's started by arsonists. Who are the arsonists? The Alvin Braggs of the world. The people in Georgia. The corruption in the January 6th committee. And Merrick Garland, who's trying to hang President Trump on documents. So there is no crime. None. None whatsoever. Pretty amazing. And that's from Dershowitz. Again, I might point out, because I feel like I have to, this is a guy who's a libertarian who did not vote for Donald Trump once, did not vote for him twice, did defend him in his impeachment trial, and is appalled at what the liberals have tried to do to the justice system. Appalled. Professor Dershowitz, can you add something new that hasn't been said? I want to add something new that hasn't been said before. I think that Bob Costello has changed this case dramatically. I think that Bragg now only has two possible results from that. Number one, he can say, all right, I'm going to try to make the case without Cohen. He cannot use Cohen as a witness anymore. That would be unethical because of the testimony that uh, Costello gave. Or he could say, look, I have to drop the case. He may not be able to make it without Cohen. But if he can't make it without Cohen, he can't make it because no ethical prosecutor is allowed to put on as a witness somebody who has told the lies and has contradicted himself so much. So I think that Bob Costello, it's a game changer. I think maybe that's the reason for the delay here. I think ethical experts are now telling Bragg, wait a minute. You cannot use Cohen. So if you can make it through Pecker, if you can make it through some of the other people, okay, go ahead. But if you can't make it without Cohen, you cannot bring this charge. Now, Professor Dershowitz probably didn't realize that we said yesterday, so it's not something that he's saying that no one else said, that Robert Cohen was a game changer, that his testimony was earth-shattering, bombshell-like, real bombshell, not the fake stuff that the media tries to sell you on. And as I said earlier this morning, you're sitting in a legal history. You'll never see an attorney having give, been given the a waiver of an attorney-client privilege destroy his former client like Robert Costello has done by simply telling the truth because he felt an oath to tell the truth. He felt an oath to set the record straight with the grand jury because he knew they weren't hearing all the lies of Michael Cohen. Robert Costello is, in my book, the champion lawyer of the year. He deserves accolades, credit, anything that can come his way. And he deserves some sort of a national award. Maybe the Supreme Court would give one to him. But they're populated with too many activists themselves. But then when Alan Dershowitz said that no prosecutor would bring Michael Cohen as the primary source for a charge... No ethical prosecutor would do it because it's unethical behavior. 
That's where we disagree. Sure, it's unethical. But you think this guy has any ethics? You think Alvin Bragg is in possession of one ounce, one ounce of integrity? Of course he isn't. He wouldn't be this far along if he was. He has none. So when you say unethical, Alan Dershowitz is showing his age. He's talking about a time decades ago when lawyers were held in high esteem, when judges were held in high esteem. But not now. There's not a lawyer out there that's held in high esteem. Do you know one? I know some because I'm in the profession, but I only I only do it part-time. But I'll bet you don't know any. And you know a hell of a lot more horrible ones. I'll guarantee if you've, you've heard a hell of a lot more lousy stories. So this guy is not ethical. And so... When you say no ethical prosecutor would bring this charge, that isn't dispositive in this particular case because the guy has no ethics, no morals, no integrity, no character. He's a political hack who would like to position himself perhaps for a run for governor someday. That is unless he gets disbarred. Victor Davis Hansen is a thinking man, smart man, highly intelligent, part of the Hoover uh, Institute at Stanford, one of the worst universities in the country now, and Victor Davis Hanson, by the way, admitted so. How brazen are these liberal criminals? These people don't even try to hide it. They're so asymmetrical. They're they're not applying the the law uh, equally. What are they afraid of? And I think they're afraid of that the people, the majority of the people, are not going to vote for them. And they have the institutional support. They own uh, Hollywood entertainment, the corporate boardroom, academia, K through 12. But even with all that power, institutional power, they're still paranoid of what the people feel and what the people would do. So they have this weaponized criminal justice system and this criminalizing of politics. And I don't know how long it can continue and you can still have a republic because the cynicism is, in, is at pandemic proportions. Well, he said it correctly, didn't he? All the power the liberals have, all the people they own, the media, Hollywood, Biden, they own own all of them. And yet they're still afraid Donald Trump's going to beat them. Isn't that amazing? Victor Davis Hanson hit it right out of the ballpark. That was a fastball down the middle and he didn't miss. They're petrified of Donald Trump. They know he beat them. For any of your liberal friends who say, you know, you keep talking about this election rigging, that's all you have to say. If they didn't steal the election, why are they afraid of Trump? If they won legitimately, you would want Trump as your opponent again. I've said this all the time. I want the guy that I trounced, supposedly, to be my opponent next week. But they didn't win the election in 2020. They know it. You should know it. I know it. And they continue to hide it by thinking if they say it's the big lie and you're destroying democracy by believing it and how dare Fox News and anybody else who says there was a rigging going on, how dare you? That tells you how scared they are. 
that you're, you're hovering right over the truth. So they dispatched all of their criminals to the court system. And people say, well, some of these judges were Trump-appointed judges. That doesn't make them supportive of Donald Trump. And it doesn't make them supportive of the rule of law. There isn't a single judge that had one of these election fraud cases come before them that heard the evidence. They dismissed them before they even got to court. Doesn't that smell rotten to you? That every single judge wouldn't allow these cases to be heard? Supreme Court was a complete abdication of its duty. Of all of the court systems in the country, they owed it to the American public to hear it out. Because if you want to talk about doubt in the election system in this country by the voters, the Supreme Court caused it. The liberals fixed the election, but when it was discovered and brought to the Supreme Court, they ignored it. They wanted nothing to do with it. Like Punch's pilot, they washed their hands of it. And to the screaming mob, they didn't give Barabbas. They gave probably a generation of people who will never believe or trust the election system again. We can blame the Supreme Court directly for that. And every other court level that ignored lawsuits brought by Trump lawyers. But the ultimate arbiter in that case would be the Supreme Court because all cases would have ended up there. But when they denied hearing it, that gave power to all the other courts. Always keep this in mind about judges. Let me make it clear to you in case you don't know this. Judges are cowards. They don't want to make a decision. Now, that's why they're in the position they're in is to make decisions, but they don't want to. They want you to settle the case. They want both sides to come together and settle every case so that they don't have to write a decision. They don't want to write one. And then the other group of them, they're petrified if they make a decision. Oh, my God, uh, it might be brought upon appeal. So if you're sound in your legal reasoning and your rulings are based in law, you don't have to worry about anything. Anyone who would overturn you then is just corrupt. But judges are cowards. Let's always remember that. When you step into a courtroom, you're stepping into the office of a coward. That's the way it is. Now, are they all like that? No. No. There are some good judges. I believe in my heart that Clarence Thomas is a good judge, that Judge Alito is a good judge, that Judge Scalia was a great judge. I think Gorsuch is a good judge. I'm not so sure about Kavanaugh or Barrett. And I'll forever wonder why Thomas and Alito and Gorsuch didn't get together and say, we're going to hear these cases. They are the ones who put the integrity of the election system at risk. It's actually not at risk. They killed the integrity of the election system. No one believes fair elections are held in this country anymore. We used to be the standard bearer for fair elections. We used to tell other countries, hey, we're going to fight so that you have fair elections. Now the other countries just give us the thing and say, you don't have fair elections. What are you lecturing us for? In fact, the United States might have the most corrupt elections going because they pretend they're not corrupt. And they dispatch the media to convince you that they're not. 
You don't even have to have any legal smarts to understand how corrupt these elections are. I always say this way. The common sense element of your brain can take over and you'll understand just how corrupt this election was in 2020. Unless you can explain to me, and this is always what I come back to, six swing states where Trump is way ahead, simultaneously ceasing to count votes for no reason, and then hours later, all of them resume counting at the same time, and presto, Joe Biden's ahead. Unless you have an explanation for that, the election was fixed. It's incredible. States came to the Supreme Court filing lawsuit election, uh, excuse me, fraudulent election lawsuits. They ignored them too. So until you can explain to me how that took place, by the way, the only time in our nation's history that it's ever happened, it must be one hell of a coincidence. But liberals will tell you, oh, yeah, that was just a coincidence. That's how stupid they are. We go back to the stupid, the stupidity doctrine. You're so damn dumb, you don't even deserve a comment or a thought. Can you imagine the level of stupidity you must possess if you don't look at that and say, I smell a rat here? And that rat at least, at the very least, deserves investigating. If you drop some cheese on the floor of your house and you go back an hour later and it's gone, do you think you might have a mouse problem or maybe a rat? You would at least investigate it, wouldn't you? I sure would. And that's what you have here. Never in the history of the country has this happened. And when it happened, let's shut down any questions about it. Let's shut down any investigations. By God, we're not going to do that. Don't you dare bring a lawsuit. So when you want to blame people for not having faith in elections anymore, blame the Supreme Court. And, of course, their liberal friends. The media is foaming at the mouth with celebration. They can't wait to have Donald Trump indicted. And two of the uh, illiterates and racist of them all, Joy Behor and Ely Mastal, are simply desperate to have it, and they just can't wait. Are you saying that today might not be the day for the indictment? Stop toying with my emotions. (laughs) Are you saying it's not going to happen today? I don't think it is. It's not fair to me. You should prosecute the case. You should always have them in a timely manner. But the timely manner was a year ago. That timeline is the 2024 election cycle. (laughs) He's a cycle. He's a psycho. How about the women on The View? They all start laughing about a man who is facing imminent indictment. They think it's funny. This is how far out these people are. I'm telling you, when I grew up and I was going to journalism school and I was studying the profession, I thought it was honorable. When I was growing up, when I was going to school, ABC television would never put a show on the air like that. Not in a million years would they put that crap on the air. They know it's filled with lies. They know these are disrespectful people. They know they're not smart people. Not one of them. Not one of them is smart. 
It takes me back to when the media fell in love with Anthony Fauci. Remember this? Dr. Anthony Fauci, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making time on this very busy day. Dr. Anthony Fauci is with us. Dr. Fauci himself. Tonight, Dr. Anthony Fauci joins us live on the beat. What do you think about the job Fauci's doing? I think he's great. I could watch Tony Fauci spit truth at the disinformation um, elves on Capitol Hill all day long. That last one is the genius Nicole Wallace. She could watch Anthony Fauci spit through the disinformation elves all day long. Well, why don't you do that? Do it all day so that you skip being on a television show and we don't have to put up with you. They're so excited about little Anthony Fauci. Well, he's been exposed as a complete liar, a criminal, murderer. He is the reason for countless businesses in this country going under, countless bouts of alcoholism, rape, domestic violence, children not learning, children falling behind, children getting depressed. Anthony Fauci is responsible for all of that, along with Biden. They're the ones who did it. And now Fauci is out going door-to-door, as we told you yesterday in Washington, trying to convince people who are resistant to that corrupt vaccine from taking it. But my favorite part of this, and no one's asked this question, I know that, except us. In every one of these videos with Fauci begging residents of Washington, black residents, to take this vaccine, he doesn't have a mask on. Other people around him do, but he doesn't. And the people he's talking to don't. And he's getting close with them. He bumped elbows with one of them. He thought that was cool. Oh, let's bump elbows. You can't possibly catch the virus if we bump elbows. <laughs> it's better than natural immunity. Elbow bumping. How about if you bump knees? Would that cause a problem? Maybe just lock ankles together. Let's bump elbows. But here's the part. Here's the abject lie that Fauci is telling to this woman who has legitimate questions. She's certainly more knowledgeable than Fauci ever has been or thought he was. And she's a hell of a lot more knowledgeable than Fauci thought she was. But listen to him flat out lie to her. I heard that it doesn't um, cure it and it doesn't... um stop you from getting it. No. So, on the very, very, very rare chance that you do get it, even if you're vaccinated, okay. it's a very, you don't even feel sick. It's like you don't even know you got infected. It's very, very good at protecting you. Is it? Well, we all know that's not true. We all know that's a flat-out lie. We all have seen the data and the science behind it that Fauci kept telling us to look at. And then when we did, we found out what a liar he was. The little munchkin Fauci got COVID twice himself. How many booster shots did he get? 17,000? So he said it was very, 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 very rare. I don't know how many varies he used that you would even get infected if you had the vaccination, and yet he got it twice. And if you did, you wouldn't even know you had it because you'd still feel so good. God almighty. What an effing liar. (laughs) I would watch the PBS documentary, but I don't think I could stomach it. I don't like watching people lie through their teeth to hurt other people and face no consequences. 
I don't like that. So it would be hard for me to watch it. But I did watch this again, and I thought you might want to hear it again as well. If you want to know if we live in a Nazi-style government, you don't need to know much more than what a federal prosecutor by the name of Michael Sherwin said shortly after January 6th. Because if you remember, that gave 14 days from the 6th until the inauguration. And the Nazis, like Michael Sherwin, a federal prosecutor, just couldn't have that. Free protests would not work. So Michael Sherwin actually uttered these words on 60 Minutes. Is it Michael Sherwin or is it Adolf Eichmann? After the 6th, we had an inauguration on the 20th. So I wanted to ensure, and our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and all that we could charge as many people as possible before the 20th. And it worked because we saw through media posts that people were afraid to come back to D.C. because they were like, if we go there, we're going to get charged. We wanted to take out those individuals that essentially were thumbing their noses at the, the public for what they did. Wow. We wanted to take them out. I said, the Nazis, it could be the mob. That's what the mob says. Take them out. What do they say in um, Yellowstone? Take them to the train station. Rip. Here's a federal prosecutor saying, take him out. Take him out. Take out his fellow citizens. Why? Because they had the nerve to disagree with the election result. And they wanted to protest what they thought is a stolen election. Take him out. We wanted to ensure that they wouldn't be coming back. Because we'd charge as many of them as we could to scare everybody away. How is that guy not in jail? Another lawyer giving the entire country reason to hate lawyers. And people hate lawyers because most lawyers are despicable. There are good ones, but most are not. They're lousy human beings. I had a lawyer. I'll give you an example here. A lawyer who I had thought was a good lawyer, went to law school with him. I recommended him to some friends of mine whose daughter was going through a divorce. He was plugged in in the court system where the divorce was being held, so I figured he wouldn't be taken advantage of. He proceeded to never call her, never text her, never return her calls. Then when I called his office to complain vehemently about his behavior, and tell him that I was going to file a bar complaint for his behavior. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, only his voicemail and only his secretary. Actually, I didn't even get a chance to leave it on his voicemail. I could only leave it with his secretary. He never called me back. And yet, he had the unmitigated gall to charge this woman for a conversation that he claimed he had with me. First of all, if we had had a conversation, he has no business charging her. But we didn't even have it. This is how unethical they are. They're a disgrace. If his partner hadn't stepped in to right the sinking ship, I would have advised her to file a lawsuit for malpractice against my former law school classmate. That's how little I think of lawyers who are scumbags who lie and cheat clients every single day. Every day. 
You know it if you've ever had to deal with a lawyer. You have felt it probably. Hopefully you've had a good one. But that's like winning the lottery. For instance, Schumer's a lawyer. <laughs> so should, do, I, do I have to say more? Here's what he said the other day, how much he hates Fox News and how dangerous they are to the republic. Well, he says to democracy because he, like most liberals, aren't aware that we have a republic, not a democracy. The threat to our democracy may be greater than it ever has been before. Because when people doubt that the elections are for real, democracy is on edge. After all, the wellspring, the core, the heart of our democracy is that we trust the elections. And, you know, uh, I worry that if this erodes, our democracy will erode, and my children and my grandchildren will not grow up in the grand democracy that gave me, the son of an exterminator, the opportunities that I have had. What caused this? Number one was Fox News and their commentators spreading the big lie day after day, night after night, hour after hour, week after week, year after year. They're the number one cause that there is such erosion in our democracy. (laughs) As you know, he called on Rupert Murdoch. He ordered him to take Tucker Carlson off the air. He says the heart of the democracy is trusting in the elections. That's not true. That's simply not true. The heart of our republic is to have fair elections. It's not to trust the elections. Ronald Reagan said it best when he's referring to the Ruskies, trust but verify. So if we want to trust the elections, but let's verify the damn thing and make sure it's on the up and up and it's legitimate. The heart of the republic is fair elections. It's not trusting in the elections, you lunatic, you loser, you panty waste. That's where the heart of the election is. These liberals will say anything, anything at all. Fox News is the number one reason we've had an erosion of our democracy. Can you imagine being one of the primary causes of this country going down and getting up there and saying that. There is no more unethical liar than Chuck Schumer. He's got a lot of company vying for the top spot as the chief liar in this country. But no one is more unethical than he is. No one lies more than he does. No one gets away with threatening the lives of Supreme Court justices who are sitting in their offices while he's screaming for their for, vi- for a violent mob to come and attack them right on their courthouse steps. And he gets away with it. So there is no greater danger to the country, to the republic, than people like Chuck Schumer. He is our gravest danger along with the media. Now, you know that I've always advocated for Donald Trump to have a plan for what's coming, not what he's done in the past. Some of it, of course, is redundant because he will do the same things he did that were successful. But he also has a plan to take back the country from these liberal psychopath lunatics. And he's articulating it for us now. Here's my plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption once and for all. And corruption it is. First, I will immediately reissue my... 2020 executive order restoring the president's authority to remove rogue bureaucrats, and I will wield that power very aggressively. 
Second, we will clean out all of the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus, and there are plenty of them. The departments and agencies that have been weaponized will be completely overhauled so that faceless bureaucrats will never again be able to target and persecute conservatives, Christians, or the left's political enemies, which they're doing now at a level that nobody can believe even possible. Third, we will totally reform FISA courts, which are so corrupt that the judges seemingly do not care when they are lied to in warrant applications. So many judges have seen so many applications that they know were wrong, or at least they must have known. They do nothing about it. They're lied to. Fourth, to expose the hoaxes and abuses of power that have been tearing our country apart, we will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. And there are plenty of them. Fifth, we will launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the fake news to deliberately weave false narratives and to subvert our government and our democracy. That's just the opening salvo. There's more. Let's move on to point six in the master plan of the master president. Sixth, we will make every inspector general's office independent and physically separated from the departments they oversee so they do not become the protectors of the deep state. Seventh, I will ask Congress to establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure they are not spying on our citizens or running disinformation campaigns against the American people, or that they are not spying on someone's campaign like they spied on my campaign. Eighth, we will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington Swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out, and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America, and they really do love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies and they regulate these companies and then they want to take jobs from these companies. Doesn't work that way. Such a public display cannot go on. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. This is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Carpe quadruple diem, Mr. President. That's what I want to hear. His plan moving forward. Can anyone argue with any of those points? This is a guy who is truly an American patriot. I wasn't sure when he first started running for office in 2015, but he convinced me, and I was right to be convinced. Let me give you another example. He was on a program the other night that was all about prayer. Michael Flynn was on. Roger Stone was on. They were all talking about prayer. Different pastors were on, pastors for Trump. And President Trump was on by way of a phone call. And near the end of the conversation, one of the pastors asked him what specifically 
would he want them to pray for on his behalf? This was the unselfish answer. Well, the best thing you can do for me is to pray for our country and the safety of our country because, as I just said, the the danger that we're in now I think is greater than any danger we've ever had. We have no leader. We are not a respected country by these other very hostile countries, in some cases very hostile. And I think the greatest thing that I can ask for is a prayer for our country, for our safety, and we have to get through this period of time. This has been a horrible period of time for the United States of America. Uh, leadership has taken us in many, many bad directions, and uh, we're a failing nation. We're right now a failing nation. Carpe million diems to President Trump. Yep, he wants us to pray for the country, not him. You think Biden would say that? First of all, he wouldn't even know what he's talking about. Pray, oh, what, prayer? Oh, who? Pray. Yeah, yeah, I'm a good Catholic. Always have, but I'm a great Catholic. You know, we should have listened when Biden told us back in September and he tipped us off that they were coming after Trump because he pretty much said it in black and white. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. That the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. I don't think I've ever heard a president who supposedly beat his opponent constantly talk about his opponent two and a half years later. President Trump hasn't held any office for over two years. But Biden keeps talking about him. Once again, they're petrified of this guy. They're so afraid of him. Victor Davis Hanson had it perfectly correct. That's why all of this is going on. And likewise, we all should have paid attention the other day when the little black lesbian, Karine Jean-Pierre, was confirming what we have said on this show all along, that Biden is more interested in appointing blacks, women, lesbians, black lesbians, transgenders, any, 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 any person that he thinks he can gain votes from simply because of their race or their ethnicity or their cult or their um, sexual orientation. Anyone that he thinks will score weasel points, he appoints them. It doesn't matter if they're qualified because we can see that with the little black lesbian. She's completely unqualified. But she let the cat out of the bag the other day when she admitted that this is how Biden appoints people. He came into office. He talked about the different crises that this country is dealing with, and one of them was racial equity. He signed an executive order uh, that uh, that uh, made sure that across the across the government that uh, political appointees in in those agencies uh, put that in, put that equality lens as they were moving forward with dealing with policy. One of the crises that was. Enveloping the country was racial equity when he took over? It was? That's funny. In the black community, unemployment was at an all-time low. Black employment was at an all-time high when Biden took over. All-time! President Trump had allotted tens of millions of dollars to historically black colleges and universities. And only President Trump had done that. Not Obama. President Trump. 
So it was a time, a crisis of racial equity, she says. By the way, can that woman speak a coherent sentence without stuttering or stammering or repeating the words? She cannot. We know Biden is mentally deranged because of his dementia. Well, partly. He was deranged a long time ago. But at least when he goes whack job on us, part of it's because of his dementia. This woman is young. She cannot finish a sentence without stuttering or stammering or repeating herself. And she's supposed to be the top communications person in the country. (laughs) She verifies what she just said, that Biden appoints people based on their color, their religion, their their ethnicity, their sexual orientation, whatever whack job thing you can think of, that's how he appoints people. He doesn't care if they're qualified. She should have just said, look at me. I'm living proof. You don't have to know anything to be up here. But I am a black lesbian, and boy, did that help. Big time. Speaking of stupid, and that's been a recurring theme in the show today, Sandy Cortez has decided she'd make another one of her videos, and she's really upset that people have lied about her, she says. Now, keep in mind, this is a sitting congresswoman who has nothing better to do than to make videos because she thinks that she's really hot and she thinks that people are dying to hear what she says. What we do is we mock her. We expose her for the liar that she is with her own words. Here she is, woe is me, because people have lied about me. If you're trying to impact the decisions that are made, but you have lied in the past about the decision makers, then why should people believe anyone with a track history of sharing misinformation and then not owning up to it? Wow. As if she's never lied. She says that politics has a lot of liars. Politics is so crazy because people can just like wake up and make up whatever they want to say about you. And it'll be totally false. And people will just believe it, right? They'll just believe it. So today, someone made made up a rumor that I, me, was hosting a military recruitment fair. For high schoolers. Now, like, does that sound like something I would do? No, because you hate the military and you hate the police. So, of course, you wouldn't do that. I, me. Listen to her. My pronouns are I, me. So, she claims that you shouldn't even listen to liars. And yet, I recall her lying profusely about her life being in jeopardy on January 6th when she wasn't even there Somehow she heard banging on her door that was lethal. Violent bangs on my door and then every door going into my office. Just bang, bang. Shoot, see, look, I'm banging over you. (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. Like someone was trying to break the door down. You weren't even there. And now, like Al Gore, her hero, 
while she fills her mouth full of food, and I don't understand somebody who's eating and putting a video together, ignorantly claims that we've only got a dozen years, folks. How many years until the world ends again? We have 12 years left to cut emissions by at least 50%, if not more. And for everyone who wants to make a joke about that, you may laugh, but your grandkids will not. I think Al Gore might have said that. Or John Kerry, Mr. Ed. Or now this big mouth with the horse teeth. You might laugh, but your grandchildren will not. Twelve years, folks, so you got a dozen. Of course, Gore said it was all going to be history by 2010. Yikes, here we are 13 years later. No worse off for the wear. So she tells you, you got 12 years. Now, she's so smart. She's like a scientist, right? Because only a scientist could have deciphered that number. Or a political hack would pull it right out of her ass. And that's what she did. Because that's what she is. Kaylee McEnany understands, and she also knows that Sandy Cortez, instead of I, me, once used these personal pronouns. She calls herself a menstruating person. At the top of that video, she said, I, me. I have expected her to say, I, me, menstruating person. And if you call her out for calling herself that, you are transphobic. (laughs) I, me, menstruating person. How about this? I, me, psychopath, illiterate. Single-digit IQ person. That's what she is. And a whining whiner. She's whining more than a whiny Weinstein. How about putting the food in her mouth while she's talking? You ignorant, rude SOB. And I'm not lying. That's exactly what you are. Lydia Glaze is a black woman. She's a Georgia state representative. She was testifying in Congress about, (laughs) it's hard to even make this up, so I'm not going to make it up. I'm just going to tell it to you. Parents are too dumb to know what's good for their children. A lot of those parents did not finish high school. I am extremely concerned that we would put money in their hands in that and. that entire piece of life in the hands of parents who are not qualified to make those decisions and they don't have the money to put in the difference that their child would need to attend a private school. So let me see if I understood that buffoon. Parents who didn't get a college education aren't smart enough to raise their kids nor to decide where the kids should go to school and they may not have the funds to send them to a private school so we... The all-knowing government, this woman, Lydia Glaze, who sounds for all the world to be one of the dumbest people on earth, should make that decision for you. This is how arrogant liberals are. We know more about what's good for your kid than you do. Well, we shouldn't have even had kids. Should Conservatives shouldn't have kids. People that don't get a college education shouldn't have kids. Do you know that some of the most successful people in this country don't have a college education? You dumbass. Of course you wouldn't know it because you're too stupid. I would kill you before I would turn my child over to you. There isn't any way that would ever happen. I would kill myself. Who would ever turn their child over to this woman? She's disgusting. 
me play for you what Schumer said about Fox, because then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick some numbers up Schumer's gazoo. The threat to our democracy may be greater than it ever has been before. Because when people doubt that the elections are for real, democracy is on edge. After all, the wellspring, the core, the heart of our democracy is that we trust the elections. And, you know, uh, I worry that if this erodes, our democracy will erode, and my children and my grandchildren will not grow up in the grand democracy that gave me, the son of an exterminator, the opportunities that I have had. What caused this? Number one was Fox News and their commentators spreading the big lie day after day, night after night, hour after hour, week after week, year after year. They're the number one cause that there is such erosion in our democracy. Well, they're number one, all right, Chucky boy, son of an exterminator. I wish he would have exterminated you, but they're number one, okay, Fox. Once again, the ratings have come out, and Fox News dominates, dominates the cable television ratings like no other in history. So for all of your woe is me about Fox, the rest of the country doesn't believe you. The rest of the country watches Fox in droves. 92 of the top 100 television programs on cable television were Fox News. What? Yeah, that's right. 10 of the top 13, Fox News. Fox News' ratings were more than CNN and MSNBC's combined. CNN hit a 10-year low. Their primetime lineup dropped 42%. Nearly half of their viewing audience gone to Fox. And Fox isn't just getting conservatives. They're getting independents and Democrats. Uh-oh. What are they going to do? Well, I think we know, don't we? They're going after Trump. We're losing our ratings. Time to get Trump. He's good for ratings. Guess what show led all shows? The Five on Fox. A little bit of a surprise. They become the first show not in primetime to win the ratings wars. It's pretty amazing. CNN and MSNBC, of course, had a huge drop-off while Fox increased 3%. So the first non-primetime program to rank first in total viewers, The Five. It's pretty amazing. Followed closely by Tucker Carlson's show. But I think it's funny that at the very day that Schumer was saying these things about Fox... The ratings come in, and everybody, including Democrats and independents, are watching, all together, class, Fox. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right, let's take a break. We're coming right back, though, and when we do, the phone lines will be open, 636-538-0746.
Welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Wednesday morning right here in the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. If you're hungry, head for Taco Bell this morning, one of the locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations where they serve breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night. They have a dollar crave menu and a $5 crave menu all day and all night. You can take advantage of those great deals. Nobody else has that. Just Taco Bell. I prefer my favorite things. I always talk about them. The grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits is my breakfast go-to. But you might like the breakfast quesadilla with bacon and sausage, crumbles, egg, and cheese. It's all grilled in a flour tortilla, and it's under 2 bucks. You can even get steak on it. It's under 3 bucks. How about the double-stuffed taco? That's a dollar. The grande burrito, that's a dollar. You got two different AM Crunch Wraps for breakfast under three bucks. So is the Grande Scrambler, all under three dollars. Hey, they brought the Mexican pizza back. Sweet Sixteen games are tomorrow and Friday. You might want to grab a Mexican pizza and watch the games. You don't have to leave your house. I like that. At Taco Bell, they're always innovating, always bringing back old favorites. And the thing I like most about them is that these franchises are locally owned and operated. Here's where they are for Taco Bell in our area. Chesterfield Valley, Jackson, Missouri, Cape Girardeau, Union, St. Clair, Washington. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo, Springfield, Carbondale, DuCoin, Troy, Salem, Jerseyville, and Columbia. Those are all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. I mentioned the ratings about Fox before we went to the break. And I think it's interesting that after Dinesh D'Souza essentially called Tucker Carlson out and called Fox out for ignoring any further video from January 6th, that there was Tucker last night again showing January 6th video and again taking a hard line against these people that called it an insurrection. So if the Murdoch family pressured Tucker, that pressure has been lifted. As of last night. Our phone lines are open for you. 636-538-0746. We've cleaned up the Bongino comments regarding the Secret Service and their inability to stop anyone from being charged. They can't. Bongino cleaned it up himself, and we played that for you. Our research assistant dug it up. Remember Naomi Wolf? She is a feminist. She is a liberal. She is an author. She has offered a formal apology to conservatives who put America first after she saw the newly released footage from Tucker Carlson on January 6th in the Capitol riots. Here's what she wrote. This is a lengthy post on Substack, kind of a letter of apology. Peaceful Republicans and conservatives as a whole have been demonized by the story told by Democrats in leadership of what happened that day. Whoa, this is big news. 
Republicans, conservatives, I am sorry. I also believed wholesale so much else that has since turned out not to be as I was told it was by NPR, MSNBC, and the New York Times. Anyone in leadership who misrepresented to the public the events of the day so as to distort the complexity of its actual history must also be held accountable. Woo! She compared the release of the new January 6th footage to Daniel Ellsberg's release of the Pentagon Papers, noting that leftists lionized the latter while condemning the former. But that's how they are. She is a, and she described herself as a lifelong liberal and civil libertarian, very prominent feminist. She also, however, made waves while speaking at Yale, her alma mater, and speaking outside in the square about how dangerous the vaccines are. So look out. Because they're not going to like it. And they're going to denounce her. They're going to renounce her membership in the tribe, as she called it. The rest of my tribe seems upset with me. That's what she wrote in a, in a Twitter post. She said, everyone in my former tribe is upset that Tucker Carlson aired government-held footage of events of public interest. And I keep thinking about how we on the left rightly lionized Daniel Ellsberg. She's essentially calling her Democrat compadres hypocrites. She says her apology was spurred by the unseen footage that Tucker Carlson aired. So that's a prominent liberal coming out, apologizing to conservatives for believing the lies that liberal media told her about January 6th. She's in complete contrast, not only with Schumer, who ordered Fox to stop Tucker Carlson, the little Nazi, and Mumbles McConnell, who also denounced the decision to air the footage. Why, Mumbles? Are you afraid some of your Chinese holdings will be exposed? I mean, it was January 6th at the Capitol. I wouldn't think your Chinese Communist Party affiliations would come out. But is that what you were afraid of, Mumbles? Naomi Wolf specifically cited the footage of Jacob Chansley, the supposed QAnon shaman with the moose horn sticking out of his head, and Officer Brian Sicknick, who was not beaten to death by Trump supporters, who was not even harmed by Trump supporters. I find Naomi Wolf's apology to be courageous. I find it to be honorable and very brave in light of the feedback and pushback that she'll get from liberal freaks. She will be renounced. Jason Whitlock also called it courageous. So it's good to see. It is very good to see. Brandon Straka who was one of the political prisoners of the January 6th Nazi-like arrests, said, I'm one of the people who was targeted and brutalized in all of this horrific dishonesty. I still am, but this helps. 
Lara Logan tweeted this out. Amazing letter from Naomi Wolf. Well done to her. I do not define myself politically, but these lies affected us all, and it's been years of frustration, agony at times, watching them play out and seeing so many be deceived. Carpe quadruple diem, Naomi Wolf. That is courageous. I'm sorry, but it is. I know you didn't watch the Oscars. Uh, I don't watch them anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. But every year I sort of looked forward to the one segment that was called In Memoriam, where they showed some of the Hollywood legends who had passed away, and they uh, either used a picture or clips of some of their movie lines, and it was really touching stuff. It was one of the things they did well. This year's In Memoriam ignored prominent conservatives who died in Hollywood, like Paul Servino. Paul Servino's an accomplished actor. He was in Goodfellas. Interesting. But they left out Paul Servino. Why is that? Because he's a conservative, that's why. His widow, Didi Sorvino, told Fox News Digital that she started crying and was instantly sick to her stomach when she realized they made the decision to leave her husband out of the televised memorial. What a pathetic piece of garbage these people are. She said it's so cold and callous. Yes, it is. Her husband was a supporter of the Second Amendment, a supporter of President Trump. She says, I really hope those weren't the reasons. Well, Dee Dee, I got news for you, honey. What other reasons could there be? This guy, everyone knew who he was. He has a daughter who's an accomplished actress. It's unbelievable, isn't it? She correctly said that politics shouldn't matter. They shouldn't, but they do to psychopath liberals like the ones who dominate Hollywood. They're sick people. They're vindictive people. And if you don't think and act like they want you to, they will take it out on you every chance they can. This is about as petty as you can be. I don't know that you can stoop any lower than this. But if you can, Hollywood will find a way. Didi Sorvino is apparently so distraught that she's not thinking clearly. She says, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was just a mistake. That's not a mistake. You know what a mistake is? A mistake is forgetting to set your alarm clock. That's a mistake. It's not a mistake when you leave a guy who's an accomplished actor and a well-known name out of an in-memoriam segment in the year he died. And he, by the way, he just happens to be a conservative. He just happens to support Donald Trump. He just happens to support the Second Amendment. That's all coincidence, honey. Are you crazy? Wake up. What is wrong with her? (laughs) It's incredible. Here's what the Academy said. 
They receive hundreds of requests to include loved ones and industry colleagues in the Oscars in memoriam segment. An executive committee representing every branch considers the list and makes selections for the telecast based on limited available time. All of the submissions are included on A-frame and will remain on the site throughout the year. Sorvino tweeted out, pathetic and ridiculous. Well, she is starting to wake up then. This wasn't just some guy. Many times, in this In Memoriam segment, they'll put nondescript writers or producers that no one's ever heard of, or backstage executives that no one's ever heard of, but you leave Paul Servino out? I don't think so. There was nothing accidental about it. And there's nothing accidental about Joe Manchin's disregard for Biden all of a sudden again. Joe Manchin will get the award if he was at the Academy Awards for flip-flopper of the year. He relished and loved all of the spotlight he received as a guy who was holding out against the um, filibuster. But then when push came to shove, he voted right along with Wuhan Willie O'Talibiden. And now he voted, as he crossed party lines, regarding this ESG bill that Biden vetoed. It passed in Congress. Manchin has accused Biden of putting radical policy ahead of the country's economic, energy, and national security needs. He ripped Biden's veto. This uh, bill was going to block pension funds from making investment decisions based on factors like climate change. Can you imagine an investor has your money and he makes your investment decision based on climate change? Wow. Manchin says the administration continues to prioritize their radical policy uh, agenda over the economic, energy, and national security needs of our country, and it's absolutely infuriating. Huh. You weren't saying that when you voted for all his bullshit. John Tester who's up for re-election next year in Montana, also crossed lines to vote with the Republicans, and they passed the Labor Department ESG Rule 50-46. to Biden says he, he vetoed it because the legislation would put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. Put at risk? Because people don't want you to put their savings in things like climate change? That doesn't put anything at risk. Your brain is at risk. So that's a little scary. But Biden vetoed it because he's a tough guy. Did you see the other day where when Biden spoke about the bank failures... Spoke about nine in the morning, I guess it was. His former press secretary, Saki Saki Saki, said that him getting up and speaking at nine in the morning on the stability of the U.S. banking system demonstrates how important the issue is to him since he normally does nothing at 9 a.m. She thinks that's a compliment. <laughs> hey, 
my former boss got up today and did something at 9 o'clock in the morning, and it must be serious because he never does anything before 9 o'clock. Or she says, at 9 o'clock, meaning a lot longer than 9 o'clock. <laughs> she even said it's important to note President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He's a night owl, oh, you think? They will lie no matter what. Can you imagine this guy being a night owl? You're out at a bar in Washington, D.C. about 1039. Hey, there's Biden watching the game. Donald Trump infamously slept only about three hours. I guess infamously because I think it's unnatural to sleep three hours. But I guess it would be famously because no one could do what he did on three hours sleep, but he did it. I remember a morning when I was watching Fox and Friends and it was 5 o'clock in the morning, their time, in Washington. And they saw the light on in the president's residence. And they said, President Trump, if you're watching, flick the light on in the White House residence. All of a sudden, the light flicked on and off. He was up watching. He was preparing to work. Biden has spent... Over 40% of his time in office on vacation. So I guess that's what Saki meant when she said he does nothing at 9 o'clock. But somehow we're supposed to commend him. She thinks it's earth-shattering and an indication of how serious he is about a major issue with the bank collapses. That he actually found time to get his ass out of bed and speak to the country that was nervous, to say the least. We're now supposed to compliment the old man who's dementia-ridden for getting up at 9 o'clock in the morning. Other people, I might add, Saki, 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 have been at work for two or three hours by then. But the guy who supposedly is the leader of the free world, when he's not stumbling down Air Force One steps or stumbling up them, which he's done both of, I suppose now we should tip our caps to the guy. What what do you expect? He was up at 9 o'clock. The night owl. Now, of course, no one would ask her because she was on MSNBC and she was on with that freak Scarborough and his bobblehead wife. So no one would ask her. Well, if you say he's a night owl, what accomplishments has he made on behalf of the people of the United States at night? You say he's up all night. What's he doing? She would have had to then admit, well, you know what, I was just lying. He really doesn't do anything. That was just a lie. Sorry. Well, this isn't a lie. That's going to wrap us up for today, but we're back fighting the good fight for you again tomorrow morning right here in the Window World Kings Court, 7 to 9 Central Time, live on KevinSlaytonShow.com. The podcast will be available right here a little bit later on on our website, also on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, and anywhere you hear fine podcasts, you will hear us. Back again tomorrow. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.